The thing about life at Southland City Church is uh, sometimes we're aware that we're a little outside the mainstream. Uh, like as a Christian community, um, sometimes it can feel, when you're aware that you're out of the mainstream, you can feel a little bit alone. And that's not really true, like we're not alone and we don't believe that we're the only ones uh, among whom God is stirring up this sort of vision. Uh, but it can be really helpful to find other places where kindred spirits are pursuing something similar. And so I and some of my teammates have had the privilege of sometimes going to other places and seeing and experiencing that and coming away challenged and encouraged. But we don't want that to be a privileged experience for the few of us who can get on airplanes and go to other places. We wanted to bring some of that here. And so a few years ago, uh, I made a friend named uh, Dave Armstrong uh, who uh, works and leads in Belfast, Northern Ireland. And I've had the chance to go out there and Ryan, my teammates, had the chance to go out there. But today, uh, we have Dave here and we're gonna learn from him. Will you guys welcome Dave Armstrong to the stage? Welcome back, Dave. Yeah, no, it's great to be here. Dave and Beth got here uh, Thursday, and since then, they were told 17 times to go to Howard Park and try the new ice, ice path, ice ribbon, ice... Ice skating. Lazy yeah. River. Yeah, yeah we, we, uh, yesterday we took a wander down to Howard Park, and yeah, yeah we did the ice skating. What's the review? Like, only fell, like, once. All right, all right, that's good. That's <laughs> good. Strong, strong. That's good. Excellent. Um, don't think I've ice skated in 15 years, so it was... It was, and you, it, was, it was good, the yeah. experience. Excellent, man. Um, so uh, before we get to what we're really going to talk about here, you guys yeah, are yeah. over here in the States. Uh, you did New York yep. City for a little bit. Yeah, so one week ago, uh, last Saturday, eight days ago, we, we flew from Dublin to New York. My wife and I, my wife Beth is here, and we thought we'd spend four or five days in New York just for fun um, over New Year, which was like ambitious for our first time um and there was like just so many people but we had a we had a fantastic time and that was really just the warm-up though to yeah. get to south bend that's right so, yeah. that's right a lot of people think of new york city as the precursor to south bend yeah it just yeah. gets you it gets you in the in the mood in the that's in good. the sort of emotional space yeah yeah that's so good. we were we were ready for south bend when yeah. we got here but it's it's no it's been it's actually been wonderful to be here in south bend and it's just a beautiful town and we, we've got to meet so many wonderful people and just see what you're doing here in this and this community is is amazing. It really it's, is stunning. It's not actually your first time either, right? It's not my first time. It's it's our first time as um, as a couple. But I yeah myself two years ago I came around September 2017. Um, long story short, um, I'm, I'm I I heard Jason on a podcast. Thought it sounded pretty good. Emailed him. We became digital pen pals. Right. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Jason was really kind to invite me to come here. Um, and just to hang out with uh, this community and some of his friends. Um, he, he said there was a small football game on. I thought we would go down to the park and there'd be a few hundred people, but it turned out to be um, uh, Notre Dame versus Georgia Tech. And yeah. it was like 100,000 people <laughs> tailgating all day. And I got to experience all of that. So that was really, that was but great. In my mind, I thought, this is great. I got my Irish friend. I'm gonna go take him to see the Fighting Irish. And I've told the story before, but we get to campus and I immediately think, Oh no, this is a terrible idea because the, the Krampus is just saturated with drunken stereotypes of Irish people, you know what I mean? Like really bad caricatures of Irish culture. Yeah, and I, I felt right at home, to be honest. <laughs> you were a good sport. Drunk, swearing, fighting Irish people. <laughs> Well, uh, here's the deal. I, I just, the, the real hope for today is um, that we would be encouraged and challenged a little bit, uh, like just to discover a little bit of uh, what's being stirred up at Redeemer Central in Belfast. And we thought maybe the way of doing that would be to uh, tick through some shaping ideas that your community has articulated, because they're a way for us uh, to get to know what you're up to and what you see God up to in your midst. 
so let's just jump into these. Uh, one of the shaping ideas that you guys have named is place. It, it can seem kind of simple. Why place? Place, because I suppose um, we hold dearly a view that, that the gospel has to grow arms and legs, has to become uh, flesh and blood, like we, like we read this morning, the, the word became flesh and blood and dwelt among us, or as Eugene Peterson calls that, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. That's the, that's the incarnation of Christ, that's God with us, Emmanuel, that's the season we've just been in of Advent. And so um, there's a sense that um, an expression of the kingdom of God in a church community has got to have arms and legs. It can't be abstracted. It can't just be beliefs in our head. It has to have concreteness, I guess. Um, so for us, it means locating ourselves, figuring out where we are, you know, what is our city and what are the needs of our city and, and bringing the, the love and grace of Jesus to the city in like concrete, measurable ways. Yeah, so take us into your neighborhood a little bit because I know that having, having walked the neighborhood that Redeemer is in, uh, there's some yeah. landmarks that sort of speak to the character of the place where you are. What would we see walking around? Yeah, and Belfast is uh, uh, it's a city of about 300,000 people. Um, right in the city center, there's a number of different areas that are... Uh, we are particularly located, our building anyway, is, is located in the cathedral quarter. So the cathedral, Belfast Cathedral, is a few hundred yards from where we gather, where our building is. Um, and it's the largest uh, Protestant um, church. And then we've, up, up, up at the top of Donegal Street is St. Patrick's, and that's the largest uh, Catholic church. Yeah. Um, now, before we go further, people here, Protestant church, Catholic church... Like yeah. that could be any block in South Bend, yeah, yeah. Uh, but for the context of Northern Ireland, uh, there's a lot of layers to those identities, right? Sure, sure, yeah. So um, we're largely, obviously, a, we're a Christian country, a Christian. Um, the, the island of Ireland is so rich with with Christianity, Celtic Christianity, but the expressions of that are obviously very different. And in recent years, we've had um, what has been tantamount to like a civil war, really, and like a, a conflict in in right across um, the north of Ireland. Um, largely that's been political, and many of you will know about this, I guess, but um, there's different sides to that. Some people would love to Ireland, the north of Ireland to remain part of the United Kingdom, and other people would like uh, the, the north of Ireland to, to rejoin the rest of Ireland and become a united Ireland. Um, and so these are different political um, perspectives. Um, um, but often they uh, mirror like um, the, the, the Catholic, not, not completely, but the Catholic and Protestant. So a lot of Protestant um, traditionally would want to remain part of the UK and a lot of um, Catholic would, Catholics would, would, would love to, to see Ireland reunited. It's not exactly like that, but um, it, it has meant that there's been an awful lot of tension and um, uh, difficulty with um, Catholics and Protestants working together throughout the years. Um, it's, fair, it's fair to say, right, that like, to call it like a, a war between Catholics and Protestants really kind of misses... It misses the point, yeah. The point, right? But those are yeah. some of the identities that get yeah. conscripted into that conflict. Yeah, right? absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, there's a famous parable, um, not a parable, it's really a story. Christopher Hitchens, you know, the late Christopher Hitchens, he went to Belfast and he told, tells the story of being, you know, pulled up at a checkpoint by like a gunman with a, with a rifle and he winds down the window and he, the, the, the gunman uh, steps over and goes, are you a Protestant or a Catholic? 
And uh, Christopher Hitchens says, um, I'm actually an atheist. And the gunman says, I don't care what you believe in God. Are you a Protestant atheist <laughs> or a Catholic atheist? Which sort of yeah. sums up the, the yeah. cultural like identities that, that Protestant and Catholic can take. They're often not about necessarily doctrine or belief or faith necessarily. It's more about upbringing and um, just like, an, like a cultural identity. Yeah, yeah. So take us uh, elsewhere in the neighborhood. What else would we see? Yeah, so in our particular neighborhood, the Cathedral Quarter, we've got those two churches and a, a bunch of others. We've got um, like the business, um, a lot of businesses, a lot of coffee shops and restaurants. And there's a new like um, university campus being built for 10,000 students that r literally wraps two sides of our building um, on the street. Like it's an art college and um, that's going to be, that's in process. That's going to be new. Um, in the next couple of years, we've got um, so we've got students, we've got business people, we, um, we've got hipsters, we've got uh, creatives, and we've got the LGBT community as well. So they're based in, in the Cathedral Quarter as well, right across the road from us, um, is the LGBT community. And uh, and when um, you say across the road is the community, you mean like Belfast's like first kind of legendary gay club is right across the street from your... It's, it's, it's right, right so the front door of our of our church, um, face, when you walk out of church on Sunday, you're faced with uh, the, the, the biggest gay club in, in the city, and it's called the Kremlin, and so as part of their like, uh, branding, I suppose, they've got like a big statue of Lenin just <laughs> on the front of the building, and he's just pointing like this at, at us. At your church. At right? our church, every <laughs> week. And a lot of people walk up Donegal Street to take a photo of, of the statue, actually, mm -hmm. and... Um, and sometimes they discover the, the beauty of, the, of, of our building too. But there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. It's, it's a wonderful, eclectic, beautiful street and a beautiful area of, of a city that's trying to rebuild itself. Yeah. So uh, if we were yeah. walking down the street, we might see the Kremlin. Uh, Kremlin but we look across yeah. the street and yep. we'd see this. Uh, uh, let's go to the picture here, Caleb. Uh, this is your building. It's, uh, it's behind the tree. It's a little hard to yeah, see it, but yeah. it's a beautiful space. Uh, what's the history of this place? Yeah, it's a building that's been there for over 100 years. Um, it, was, it belonged to a congregational church, the denomination Congregationalism. Uh, a few years ago, they, that particular church dwindled in size to maybe less than 10 people actually gathering. It holds about 300 people. And uh, the minister of that church found Redeemer Central and we were just meeting in rented space at the time and he rocked up to, we were doing some baptisms at the, on, in Belfast Lock, the, the sea, and he came on Sunday and hung around the back. He's a, a lovely man um, and uh, he said, do you want a building? And we were like, yeah, we, we've been looking for a building. And um, when he brought us to this spot, we were just sort of blown away. I didn't yeah. actually, I, I, I was really aware of Belfast, like I grew up very close to Belfast. I never had been in this building or seen it. It's beautiful. So we've been um, meeting in that space for the last sort of five years, yeah. making it our home, trying to understand our context, our sense of place, um, meet some of the needs, hopefully play our part in make, meeting some of the needs in, in that part of the city. You guys have uh, made use of your, your position on the street there to sort of display some public art. Like here's an example, if you're walking by uh, during Holy Week, I believe, uh, it's kind of hard to see, but we'll zoom in. Uh, yeah, we need, we need better photography, don't we? we What's need, that? We need better photography. <laughs> <laughs> this is like great a chip though. van and a car. And a yeah, what did you do here? This is, uh, so there's an artist um, that we came, uh, I became familiar with just online, and I think he's responsible for your, for your mantra icons yeah, just yeah. behind us, Scott, Scott Erickson. I think he's spoken here before. So he makes some of his work 
sort of available to download and it's like art shows. This one particular one is called Stations on the Street and it's the Stations of the Cross and we, we downloaded it and printed it and um, we, we decided to display it inside the building but then also outside the building on the front. So um, just during Holy Week leading up to Easter Sunday and so that's what you're seeing there. You're seeing three of these sort of grungy, beautiful pieces of art just yeah. sort of pasted onto the side of our building. Some of you have been in churches that have the Stations of the Cross in the space, which are sort of a visual meditation on Jesus' suffering and the kind of moments in that story. Uh, but you guys put them right there on the sidewalk with this um, sort of beautiful and somewhat irreverent and somehow sacred sort of art that Scott created. That's fantastic. Uh, let's go inside the building just to give people a sense of your space. This is kind of looking from the front of the room uh, toward uh, toward where everybody sits, typically, right? And then that stained glass window is the one that looks out on Donegal Street. That's the one that yeah, that's the one that looks. So that photograph is taken from where like the minister previously would have preached from, and there was pews in that building. And then we uh, this particular setup you're looking at is like for our prayer space that we do once a month. We have a prayer and worship evening, um, but usually it's just tables and chairs like you see along the edges it's the whole place is filled with tables and chairs like cafe style it's in the round so there's some transepts to the left and right there and it's it's sort of yeah. it's quite similar to this although i absolutely i love this space it's beautiful um, so sunday really morning amazing. then yeah so our sunday morning would look like this it's kind of a typical uh, day yeah. in the gathering right yep yeah and then recently you guys had uh, a carol sing yep that was the Sunday before Christmas just this year, and uh, we take the tables away and we do it some traditional rows and light some candles and sing carols. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah it's good. Uh, every time I come see you guys, I'm just struck by the, the beauty of where you are and then the beauty of the way that your community is trying to take that seriously, you know? Yes. Um, I think this is one of the places where we have felt sort of kindred, because mm -hmm. if you've been here, you might know that... For Sapin City Church, we, we sensed that it was really important that our, our place mattered. And so we did a little visual experiment and we imagined if you were somehow like dropped into a Sunday morning gathering at Sapin City Church, but you didn't know where in the world you were, we asked like, would the, the content of what we do when we are together, would it speak to where we are or would it be so ambiguous or generic that you wouldn't know that this is a church that prays in the city of South Bend and loves the city of South Bend and lives in the city of South Bend and sees the city of South Bend and has neighbors in the city of South Bend. And like, would you sense that when we were together? And I've seen you guys do that in a bunch of ways that I find like really inspiring. Uh, let's go on to uh, the next sort of shaping idea, which is presence. What do you mean by that? Presence, yeah. So um, in short, it means an openness to the spirit, an openness to the spirit. Um, I don't know what that uh, statement would say to you. Maybe your context is similar to our story in Redeemer. We come from some charismatic heritage. So when we talk about, when we've heard about presence, or we've talked about presence, the presence of God um, in the past, often that actually has referred to this idea of, of us um, hoping that God visits us. We welcome him, come Lord Jesus, come Holy Spirit, come. We welcome the presence of God. We wait for the presence of God. That is beautiful language, and it's really helpful language. It's biblical language, but it sometimes can not tell the full story of it. It 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 it, it paints a picture that God's vacant and absent and needs beckoned in. Mm -hmm. um, when actually at Redeemer, when we talk about presence, we see God's presence permeating everything, always, in and through everything. As Richard Rohr would say, it's God's presence is everywhere. It's it's 
it, it's us that has to that have to steward an awareness to that presence. So instead of God showing up, it's more like we have to show up to the presence of God that is already here in the face of our brother and sister um, in creation um, in and through everything, in fact. Um, one great quote that sums this up, there's a beautiful um, an author, Elizabeth Barrett Browning. She writes, Earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. <laughs> So there's a, there's a sense that if we tune ourselves into the move of the Spirit, what the Spirit is doing, if we're at that frequency, if we have some God awareness in our lives, and we can talk about how we get that a little bit, um, we can see God's presence in and through everything, and um, it enriches our lives. Give us an example. Like, What's something in the life of Redeemer that you guys are doing to, to practice that? We physically built a prayer room. We didn't build it. We just picked a room and decided that that would be the prayer room. Yeah. That is like a concrete, like some a location in our building where we market for showing up to God's presence. I mean, and it's a small little, it's like a cupboard. It's a small little room. It's about the size of the stage. You can get about 12 people in it. Jason's been in it. There's nothing special about this room, but it's marked in our community as a place where we go to pray. And so this year, particularly, we're actually hoping to open it more. Um, we're going to allow our church community to book in like prayer slots so they can they can go down, let themselves into the room, just themselves or with a, a partner or a friend and spend one hour in that room just praying, writing their prayers on the wall. Create There's some creative stations in that room that they can do. They can express their prayer prayers in different ways. So that's one example of yeah, how we try to mark presence in our community. Yeah, and I'll, like I'll say, Evan, like, to me, there, you, you can sense um, what you're cultivating and the character of your community at large there. Yeah. Um, like one of the things we, we've done mindfully here as a church, you may not have known there was a thought behind it, but we've tried to cultivate some silence in our gatherings. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe out of the, the, the concern that um, like we can stimulate you. We can use like stuff to stimulate everyone in the room, like musically or visually or whatever. And um, that may not be bad. I, I love a good rock show. I love good art in all of its forms. Um, but our, our suspicion has been that we might actually be more likely to, to truly become aware of the presence of God uh, through some silence. Mm. Like, like, because like, when you leave here, you know that like, if God is present in your spouse, there's not going to be a light show, right? <laughs> if God is present in your neighbor, there probably won't be massive cues that are like used to help you gather that, right? But perhaps if we can sort of cultivate a sort of quiet that allows us to be present, uh, we might walk out a little more able um, to live up to, like for example, everyone in Icon, one of our mantras, right? To, yeah. to see God in every neighbor, especially your enemy, especially the neighbors that we ignore and avoid. We, I think we're really curious as a community about how we can continue to cultivate um, just, just that awareness that will walk with us. Yeah into every day so that we can see that all of earth is crammed. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's yeah. beautiful because it's, um, by default, we just, we miss it. We walk past the bush that's a fire with God. We, we miss it and we need, to, we need to do something to cultivate uh, an ability to just to see God and sense God and everything. And so there's, when we do that, we can, yeah, we can, we can, yeah, we can see God in everyone. Yeah. What about story? 
Story, yeah, story. So st we're, we're wired for story. As human beings, story helps us make sense of our world. Um, it helps us make sense of who we are, of where we've come from, of where we're going. Uh, stories are like GPS coordinates for our lives. And, um, uh, and often, um, so in Redeemer, when we talk about story, we, we talk about two things, I guess. One, our own stories are really important and they really matter. Um, but we need to learn what our story is. It's sometimes, there's a story that we are living in. We're occupying a particular narrative. Um, and we need to like, it's helpful for us if we are aware of, of that narrative. Yeah. Um, there's a little parable that David Foster Wallace tells of two fish swimming um, one morning and they bump into an older fish and the older fish says, hey lads, how is the water? And the two little fish swim on and one fish turns to the other fish and goes, what the hell is water? <laughs> and um, it's the idea that the, the most obvious essential things are, and the most ubiquitous things like narrative and story are like right in front of us, all around us. We're immersed so much in a story, but we just sometimes don't even realize it. So the question is, what story are you living in? Um, there are stories out there that would say that everything's getting worse, mm -hmm. that God hates the world, or... We, 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 as N.T. Wright would say, we have the privilege of living within God's story, which is a story of redemption, a story of God making all things new, a renewal story, a restoration story, um, a story that where God loves his creation, where he loves us, he is for us. And so that's a beautiful story. So when we occupy that story, um, as Christians, that is the story that we occupy those are the GPS coordinates that we find ourselves within. It's the story of Jesus. Um, it's the story uh, of God come incarnate in the flesh in Jesus to show us the way to make the world a better place. Um, and stories just, they, 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 they infuse our lives with meaning. Um, I also think of um, city stories, right? Sure. You know, like, um, I think another sort of shared experience, unique in each place, but shared in some ways is um, Belfast, you know, it's a city of 300,000 you mentioned, but has a lot of global awareness. And I think, I know as an American, like w when I think of Belfast, a lot of what I've thought of over the years is some of the violence that has been a part of that story, some of the factional sort of division. And like, then I go there and I, I see the city through the lens of like, like your community and, and people who love and live in that city. And there's so much more, like the, the violence is, it's there, or it's part of the history, but there's so much more to that city. There's a vitality, there's a dignity, there's a beauty, there's a groundedness in that city. But it's like only parts of that story make it out, and then I think the temptation is to believe the worst parts of our own story, and they come back to us. And here in South Bend, I know for me, like, I've, I've had this sort of conflicted feeling in the last few months. I don't know if you've heard, but our, our former mayor now is running for president. <laughs> and of course, uh, like any good campaign, um, you know, they, there's a narrative there to sort of make the case for Pete's presidency. But then that means that people that want to attack Pete's candidacy, they're going to elevate another narrative, right? And so as somebody who lives in and loves South Bend, I know like some of the hurt I've been feeling for our city is the way that the national spotlight right now, sometimes it is, is sort of um, shining on or, or elevating either the most negative narratives in our city or even distorted narratives in our city, which is sort of part of the political game that gets played. And like even on the level of the city, there's something to be said for 
believing in and, and seeing um, a story of dignity and redemption in a city, not just these sort of stories of brokenness or division. Yeah, yeah I, think it's, I think it does fall upon the church to, to help to tell stories, to, to bring stories to the surface, to give them dignity, and to practice the art of listening, which yeah. I know that you guys have been really really good at and we've learned a lot from in Redeemer Central and Jason has shared how you guys began as a community beginning with listening to the stories, the needs of the city first rather than coming with some answers, coming with solutions rolling into town, you began with this posture which is a posture of humility, a posture of listening and I think even just listening to stories um, and often championing stories and telling stories um, yeah, is tell, part tell, of the church tell is us called about lesser heard lesser heard yeah uh, a group in our uh, church community um, so we have um, uh, anything that looks like um, the work of Jesus good news the gospel we call gardens We're making uh, gardens one of our gar- gardens projects is like a, a storytelling event called lesser heard run by some people in our church and it's essentially exactly what I've just shared it's a it's an event that happens every few months that gives space to listen to, to stories that are lesser heard. They're heard not so much in church context, particularly. Stories around mental illness or mental health, stories around sectarianism or bigotry um, or racism, stories around um, sexuality and the difficulty there uh, and the beauty there. Um, just stories, uh, topics um, that help give space where people can come feel safe, can share their story and where we as the, the community around that can, can listen and can learn. It's such a brave thing, right? I remember uh, when we did our early listening nights, this is back before we were doing Sundays as a church. This is back when we were just a, a small crew of people huddling up at the brick on Wednesday nights. And early on we did a listening night where we solicited outside voices. And we basically contacted just a kind of wide array of, of communities and leaders within South Bend and said, hey, there's a new church that's sort of bubbling up here. Um, how do you feel about that? What, what do you want us to hear? What do, you, what do you hope we will be for the city? And of course, like the, the thing about that is like, you know, many of the people and communities that we reached out to, like they have very different beliefs than ours. You know, they have different projects that they're a part of. And it can create some tension in the room because, you know, if, if you hear something that it's like, well, we, we don't want to do that or be that or, I don't know if that's what we're about. There can be this need to react or shut it down right away or, you know what I mean? But, but I think there, there can be a real maturity and just like, you know what? We can be big enough and brave enough and humble enough to, to listen for a moment and not be, be threatened or um, to feel at odds with these things that might not be exactly what we're going to become, but like we'd be better off to, to take a moment for that. and. Uh, like having been through that as a community, as you've described lesser heard to me, I can imagine some of the tensions in the room that that creates. Yeah. Um, but I gather you think those are a good thing. Yeah, um, if, it's, if it's making us, I mean, we can, we can all live in an echo, in echo chambers. We all know about that in different ways, online, social media, our, our, where we get our news even can shape what we think and believe about certain things. And if we do not expose ourselves to people who think differently, or even just listening to other people's stories, if we don't broaden um, our horizons, if we don't, then I, th- I think we, we lose 
something beautiful. And I think when we begin to, I mean, uh, I think it's, is it Henry Nouwen? Or it could be, it could be Vanier who says like, you know, stories are the greatest acts of hospitality because you're, you're inviting someone into your space and into the vulnerable parts of your life. And so you're practicing hospitality when you, when you storytell. Yeah, so it's a beautiful posture. Like um, it's, e it's easy to say, you're welcome here, but not to actually mean your story belongs here, right? Like your, like your whole story, like, like it's part of this. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. I love that. What about uh, formation? Yeah, formation, um, it's, as, it's as simple as this in Redeemer. We just believe that we're all in process. You know, we're all becoming something. Um, and so when we place ourselves, when we find our GPS coordinates within the story of Jesus, and when we um, place ourselves in a community like the church or like this, then we begin to open ourselves up to the presence of God. Then we begin to experience change, and we begin to not only... Um, worship God, worship Christ, um, do the works of God, the works of Christ, but we actually begin to look like, yeah. become like Christ. So Christ is our prototype human being. He's the prototype. He's the first fruits of the new creation. He is our example. Um, and so we as disciples or little Jesuses in the world, little Christs, we then get to be shaped and formed into the likeness of the Son of God and the likeness of Christ. Um, and I think that's, that's the end game for us, is that's our, that's our journey, you know? It's a, um, that's, that's what it means to live the way of Jesus, is to follow him and become more like Christ, follow his example. Yeah, uh, I feel like there, there's a temptation in spaces like ours, which is to, um, to sort of endlessly obsess over what we believe without regard for what we're becoming. Yeah, and I think sometimes yeah. also, like, when, when I share that, and when you hear that in other faith communities or church contexts, you think that that means everyone's gonna just be like the same. We're gonna be cooker cutter Christians. We're all gonna look the same. That's the end game. When I look at the scriptures and I look at Revelation and there's a picture of what, then it's like a metaphorical picture of what the, the kingdom of God might look like. It looks like all tribes, all tongues, all nations gathered around the throne and there's a diversity around the throne of the Lamb, of Jesus. And um, that's like a picture of what like the kingdom of God looks like, that this kingdom of renewing the world is going to look like. That's the, that's, that, that is where it's going. It's, it's not that we're gonna all become the same. And it's not like God, God's not in the business of monoculture. He's not in the business of making us all the same. He loves us all and wants us all to step into our fullest and truest versions of ourselves. So I think to become like Christ means to become your truest, fullest version of you. Um, as you follow Christ, you don't lose yourself. You actually find yourself and you become full and you flourish. I think that's what... Jesus meant when he said, I come to bring life and to bring it to its fullness, or to bring it in full. Um, so I think that's a beautiful picture of what, what God is about. Yeah. Especially in a world today which is often trying to organize us and remove diversity. The kingdom of God is about diversity and difference. Uh, one of the formational practices that's central to both of our communities is 
is a table in a couple of different ways, right? Tell us uh, what table means for Redeemer. Table means a lot of things, but two very quickly. One, um, it's a metaphor for the whole way that we do our community in our church. We, we don't have a membership. No one signs up to believe a certain bunch of stuff that makes you a member of the community. It, we're an open community, um, but there's an invitation. If you're hungry, come. Um, if you're hungry, come. We, we use a metaphor for our church. It's like cattle farming in Australia. Um, farming, farming in Ireland is a bit different to cattle farming in Australia. You know, in, in Ireland, we just build fences and it keeps the, keeps the cattle in. In Australia, you've got like hundreds of acres of land and you cannot build a fence hundreds of acres wide. Um, so in Australia, Australian cattle farmers will just dig a well. They'll dig a well and the, and the cattle will not go too far from the well. So in, in, in our church community, we believe the table and all that it represents, the table of Jesus, the table of Christ, is like a well. Christ, we are a Jesus community, and Christ is the well at the very center of our community. And so we are all welcome to come and to drink um, from the well, the life source that is at the heart of our community. But there are no boundaries or fences that we police to say who's in and who's out. It's a, if, if you want to be there, you can be there. Um, and that's a little bit like what a table is like. If you can, you can come up, rock up to a table and, um, and feast on what is there if there's an open invitation. But also we practice the table every week. We break bread and we drink wine to celebrate the particular sacrifice of Christ. And there's something about Christ's presence. There's something sacred and mysterious and beautiful about these elements. God, and if we have an awareness, we will see God's, God's presence is here in these elements, the body of Christ, the blood of Christ. And so we remember Christ and we get to experience uh, his presence here and we get to experience hopefully transformation and change when we come to the table. Everyone is welcome at the table. It's beautiful. Do you guys see why we feel like there's some um, kindredness here uh, between these communities? Yeah. And so we thought before we go, it'd be really great to pray for both Dave and his wife, Beth. Welcome Beth, his better half up here. Yeah, so I'll pray for these two, and then we're going to give Dave the final word. Does that sound all right? Yeah? Okay, let's, uh, let's pray. Loving God, uh, we thank you uh, for your life in the world, the running more deeply and more truly than any stories of division or conflict, more deeply and truly than stories of personal brokenness, is a story of goodness and grace. And it's not just buried underneath all of this, it's bubbling up here and there. And we've seen it in Belfast, we've seen it in Redeemer, and we've seen it in our midst right here in South Bend, and we thank you. Uh, I thank you for the friendship of Dave and Beth and what they mean to me and what they mean to this church. I pray that you would give them everything they need in this season for their own flourishing, that they would have a deep and abiding sense of your love and your kindness for them, that they would sense what you're calling them to, that you're speaking through them and uh, loving the world through their lives. We also pray for Redeemer, that she would have everything she needs in this season, that she would have a sense that the wind is at her back and that you're with her, that grace and peace would flow in that place and through that place to a city that needs it. We pray that stories of violence in Belfast and in South Bend would be replaced by stories of peace. We pray that stories of brokenness would be chased away by stories of healing. And we pray that we would find ourselves coming together around the table of Jesus, 
um, from every corner of the world, uh, knowing that we belong to one another as we belong to you. So we thank you uh, for Redeemer, and we pray, pray uh, grace and peace upon that church and upon that city. And uh, we pray that these two would have safe and quick travels home uh, back to a place that loves them and needs them. We love you and we bless you and we pray for these in the name of Christ. And we all said, amen. amen. And then, yeah, we thought we would ask Dave if he would give us a, a proper benediction. Before he does, we say thanks to Dave one more time for giving us uh, his week. Yeah. May Christ protect you today against anger, against jealousy, against fear, against timidity, so that his justice may flow through you and you may share in its reward. Christ with you, Christ before you, Christ behind you, Christ within you, Christ beneath you, Christ above you, Christ to the right of you, Christ to the left of you. Christ in your lying, Christ in your sitting, Christ in your rising, Christ in the heart of all who think of you, Christ on the tongue of all who speak to you, Christ in the eye of all who see you, Christ in the ear of all who hear you. Grace and peace be with you. And also with you. Amen. Amen. Amen.